on this episode of Resi Week, Foxconn is going to invest almost $2 billion in OLED. We talk about keeping your mind open to new opportunities, and AT&T is trying to buy Time Warner for $85 billion. All that and more, next on Resi Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is Resi Week, episode 38, recorded Monday, October 24th, 2016. AT&T Shop. Resi Week is brought to you by our fine group of underwriters, companies like Draper. Welcome to Resi Week. This is your weekly wrap up of all the latest news and stories for the residential AV industry. I'm your host, Matt D. Scott for avnation.tv. Today, I'm pleased to be joined by some good friends of mine. I've got Jeremy Glowacki from Residential Systems. Jeremy, how are you today? I'm doing great, Matt. Good to see you. Excellent. Good to see you. Then we've got Josh Willits. Am I saying that right? Yep, you got it. Excellent. Josh Willits, he's the Vice President of Dealer Happiness at Portal. How are you, sir? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. Hey, thanks for coming on. He's uh, he's our token newbie this week, so we're going to be really nice. I promise. Welcome, Josh. Thanks. And then, then we have uh, Mitchell Klein. He's the Executive Director of the Z-Wave Alliance. How are you, sir? Fabulous, and uh, glad to be back and chatting with you again, Matt. Hey, thanks for being here. Always appreciate it. All right, guys, let's uh, let's kick this off uh, with a story that comes to us from Android Headlines. Uh, it's about Foxconn. Everyone, ooh, oh, goodness. I well, shared the wrong one. <laughs> this is what happens when Tim's not here. There we go. All right, let's try that. That was Infinity. For all you guys that know uh, Pro Video, that was Infinity, and that's why you never, ever do it. Uh, Foxconn, i.e. Sharp, uh, is planning to invest $1.9 billion into an OLED plant. Uh, this came out on the 17th that they're uh, planning to do this and produce a lot of OLED displays for mobile devices. Um, gentlemen, is this something that, one, do we, do we expect to see a turnaround on this quickly? Uh, and two... Does this really matter that much? Let's start with you, Jeremy. Well, it's uh, certainly a lot of money, but um, from what I read and what I understand is that uh, it, it's, it actually is putting Sharp and Foxconn at a really slow start. They're, they're going to have to play catch up in the OLED world. And this is specifically about uh, cell phone, mobile phone, uh, mm -hmm. you know, smartphones. Small screen, um, yeah, small screen. So they they're 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 going to have a lot of catching up to do, even with all the money spent um, with uh, Samsung and LG apparently. So it is a lot of money, but I don't see it really making an impact for so a few, couple of years. It looks like at least, and at that point, I mean that's a that's like twenty years and mo most other <laughs> lifetimes. So uh, that's my opinion. Definitely, Josh, with. You know, Samsung and uh, LG taking about 10 years to actually research and bring a product to market. 
with them just building a plant now, just starting to 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 build this plant, is this something where we're not going to see a feasible product from them? Keeping in mind that it is Foxconn who is the probably the leader of manufacturing um, over there. Is this something where we're expecting to see ten years, or is this something where they could be faster at it? Um, I think they can leverage what's been done already to get some speed on, um, you know, the manufacturing of these things. But I think they're saying 2017, which is pretty unrealistic. But I think even <laughs> even LG and, and Samsung kind of said at best it's going to be 2019 to 2020. So if if they do a good job, I think you'll probably see it somewhere in the middle of those of those dates, maybe sometime in 2018. I think they're betting on a big um contract with apple uh so i guess we'll see how it goes so mitchell if they're able to produce that quickly what happens in four or five years down the road when we discover something potentially better than oled first of all i think it's going to go faster than we all think um the never underestimate the speed with which the chinese can get something done and the other thing is you start looking at well, some of the reports that are out in terms of the entry level phones and tablets are pretty much going away. And so this is really an indication of where the high end is headed. And you've got some small companies, uh, I say the tongue in cheek, like Huawei, uh, mm -hmm. which has really not had much of an impact in the US or the North American market. Uh, and you've seen what Samsung's been doing and some of the troubles they're having and out of nowhere, at least for us uh, in, in the U.S., is going to come Huawei. And I think that, that Foxconn's doing the right thing and being prepared for some new entrants in this market and definitely some upscale. And I think it's going to be a lot faster than those are predicting. Very, very good. All right. Uh, moving on to our next story. This comes to us from CNET. And look, I screen shared properly this time. Uh, AT&T, th this was all over the news this weekend. Um, AT&T has decided and uh, inked a deal to buy Time Warner in an $85.4 billion deal. Uh, this has kind of been, you know, Time Warner's been in talks for a while with a couple of different people uh, to be bought out. And last year it was rumored that they were going to be bought by someone who I'm not seeing in my notes right now. Um, but this is a this is a gigantic deal, uh, half stock, half cash. Um, but they're expecting this to be completed by the end of 2017, as long as it doesn't run into any issues. Is this going to bring? It, to me, this this raises two major questions. Is this going to bring a better content? Is this going to bring more availability of that content, or is it just going to bring higher prices for the consumers. I can jump on that if you want to start. Yeah. Uh, I think there are two ways to evaluate this. And first of all, I think one of the original suitors was Apple. Mm -hmm. And I know Apple was in talks with them. And I think they were just kind of kicking back and we'll wait and see. And if for some reason the deal does not go through because of regulation, uh, you might see Apple swoop in and, and pick it up. So there's two things to look at. Uh, one of them is the business side of it. And actually, the deal is worth higher than that. There's another $23 billion in debt, they assume, as well. So it's really like 100 and some odd billion, which, guys, it's more than we all make combined in a year. <laughs> a lot of money. Well, um, here, though. So, you know. 
Yeah, take me out of the equation. This yeah, year. Oh, okay, all right. <laughs> Maybe not next year. Right, but, you know, the question we have to ask ourselves is why wouldn't you just do a licensing deal and instead of investing and buying? I don't know the answer to that and bigger minds that I obviously have thought that through. But from a content side, I think this is really the response, obviously not to just the uh, the increased competition in the telco and, and uh, um, <clears throat> cable space, mm -hmm. but the fact that there's an ongoing battle for where the eyeballs are going to watch the content. Mm -hmm. And this will really give AT&T a huge leg up. You've already heard about what they're doing with DirecTV in terms of enabling you to watch it on any screens within the house. And you know, any of you that have kids know that kids aren't watching the old television set itself, they're watching things on their, their phones, their tablets, their computers, if they even have computers anymore. Um, and now being able to watch some of the content outside of the house and maybe just some of the big folks at, at AT&T wanted to go on set and watch shooting of Game of Thrones. I don't know, but it's just, it's interesting. <laughs> they wanted that next, that next season early. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so here's a question though, cause you, you brought up a really good point. Um, when it comes to content, this moves them into easily direct competition, if not greater, uh, a greater, bigger company than Comcast after even after it purchased NBC Universal. Are we to the point where we're down to essentially, you know, AT and T and Comcast? And does it, by extension of that, does it matter at all that? you know, from the wireless side that AT&T used to be in, you know, competition with Verizon heavily. Are we glossing over that now completely now that they're a full-blown media company with DirecTV, with uh, Time Warner? It's pretty terrifying, but don't forget we're going to have the Trump network, so we'll have some good competition coming soon enough. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't resist. <laughs> Can I get Trump, that? Trump network won't be on here because he's already come out and say that uh... – he would kill the deal. Yes, yeah. he would. Yeah, I hate to I hate to feel like uh, agreeing with Donald Trump at anything, but my initial feeling was, oh my God, AT and T is going to take over my world. <laughs> like I already feel like my I pay most of my paycheck to that company <clears throat> when it comes to my my uh, wireless and my my uh, UVerse bills, you know. And uh, and I re I recently tried to get out from underneath at least the wireless when I got my new iPhone and. And my wife had the bright idea to call AT&T to see if they'd negotiate because the Verizon offer was such a good one. And they did, and they did it very well. And I, I couldn't leave the family. I mean, it was, it was like an offer I couldn't refuse. And <laughs> I'm still I'm in deep with those guys. So it looks like it's just going to get, uh, there's going to be more and more uh, control over my life. Uh, Wasn't AT&T broken uh, up once before? I believe yeah. so. Mob Bell, like the whole, yeah, right. that way back. It's happen again. Huh? Yeah, and, and uh, what was it, AOL tried to make the play originally on Time, Time Warner. Warner. So, yeah, uh, that didn't go out well. Go I, well. Think, um, I think one of the things I read in that article that was interesting is that 25% of millennials have cut the cord. They're only mm -hmm. paying for internet and basically <clears> a Netflix. So, um, you know, there's a, there's a lot of millennials who also subscribe to HBO and I think the play here obviously for AT&T it's no secret but it's really on the on the content um so there's it's not just that it's Time Warner as well so um this is going to certainly take them maybe even leapfrog them over over Comcast it'll, it'll kind of separate them I think a little bit from from Verizon so yeah well I just got my uh Amazon Fire Stick the brand new one <laughs> mm -hmm. 
And I'll tell you, cutting the cord is tempting right now. Um, and if it I, did, for sports, I did it a year ago. <laughs> where would you get all your election coverage? Come on. <laughs> or your sports, I mean. From Facebook. Doesn't everybody get all their election coverage from Facebook? <laughs> no, I, I get all my knowledge from, from Facebook. Everything's true. The entire <laughs> Facebook. <laughs> Very good. All right. Um, moving on. This comes to us from Residential Systems. And it's about keeping your mind open. It's from a good buddy of ours and uh, a, a regular guest, actually, Todd Anthony Puma. He writes uh, essentially a, a little, I don't know, little informational piece almost on, you know, he's been on the show a lot. And every time he's on, he does talk about how for his company, he maintains a very small group of suppliers and manufacturers that, that support, you know, him and he supports them by extension. Um, but he's had a little tryout of snap AV. Uh, and in this article, it's, you know, he's kind of glossing over his experience with them and, and how they've started to pick them up as a occasional product um, for, for clients that matter. So it, it's a good read. Definitely check it out. Um, but my question to you guys and, and, Jeremy, I might even start this off with you. For for dealers, and I don't want to get stuck on the Snap IV side of it, but for dealers that are always stuck in one box, you know, they always spec this product or this product line. How important, especially in today's market, is it for them to expand past that one that one product or that one product line and get into something that gives them the option of going after different levels of clients? Well, I think it's important to be open-minded for sure. And it's also equally important to know your product line very deeply and committed, you know, commit your training to it. Um, be a solution provider for your clients and don't try to be all things to all people because that can get you in trouble. Mm -hmm. Um, there are situations like he cites in the article where you go into a home with legacy product that you don't want to be that guy that says all this stuff is crap, you know, take it out. You know, we're not going to work with you on this because we only work with these products. So I think some of what he was talking about was having a resource to go to to help him find answers to products that maybe he wasn't prior, you know, selling prior or servicing prior. Um, and then, you know, obviously new technologies come along and Todd is, you know, very loyal to who he's with at the time. And I'm, I don't think I'm speaking out of turn here, but he, he tends to do, try new things and get pretty, uh, pretty enthusiastic about new things. Um, and, and it's Todd? like, the, no. yeah. And, 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 and I think, I think, I think to be, to, to defend him though, it, it, sometimes it feels like he's, he's kind of, you know, getting caught with the breeze there a little bit, but he really is looking for the best answer for his client base and in his competitive situation that he's in. So mm -hmm. um, I think he's very open-minded. I was surprised that he hadn't really given Snap AV a look and had a, kind of a weird impression of who they were. But I mean, that's just sort of an example of what he led in with about his bigger message about uh, being open-minded. But um, I, I do think you need to, especially with the internet of things, to be able to, to know what's out there, um, what your clients are going to ask about, and be willing to at least bring something into your showroom or your um, 
design space and figure out mm -hmm. what's good about it to at least have an answer for your clients that whether you commit to installing that type of product or not as another story. Right. Now, Josh, you're, you're from Portal. Um, we've, we've just started using you in our offices as well. Is this something that you, I, I'm not going to say that you guys track it, but is this something that you guys notice where you have dealers who are used to using, for example, extenders and, and they always use key digital oh. extenders? And because they're using Portal to source these things, when they type in, you know, HDMI extenders and they get a list of different products out there and obviously different price points, are you seeing dealers getting exposed to more things that, again, sometimes help them reach different uh, solutions? Um, we do. Generally, the dealers... Are, are pretty good at finding products that they need to solve problems. Mm -hmm. um, and they can do that really without what we give them. They just do it on, you know, a bunch of different, um, through some phone calls and, and some websites. So generally I think dealers are, are pretty resourceful. Um, it is an opportunity for, um, for vendors to be able to make sure that they're where the dealers are looking. Um, so there's a big advantage there for them to find, for, to find that stuff there. Um, but generally, when they're using our site, dealers already know the product that they're looking for to spec on the job. So, um, you know, they're grabbing it to either place the order or, or put it on a put it on a proposal. Um, but certainly, they look around for some products. I mean, we don't actively track that necessarily. Um, mm -hmm. The data is there, and and if we do anything with it, it'll be um, to maximize the experience for the dealer and to help them find something that they're looking for. Um, I could talk on this subject for a long time. I go way back with, with Snap as a dealer, actually. Um, I went down and met Jay. Uh, when they first got started, he ran Zobo TV and, and started making furniture, and that's how Snap sort of started. Plasma pop-ups, we had one in our showroom. So um, I like to talk about them then and, and where they've come till now. Um, I think when a dealer, um, to jump out of your specific question and yeah. talk about the original one with Snap, I think when a dealer considers a product, any product line, uh, or let's say a brand, um, they're looking at it from two perspectives. There's some advantages to sticking with a small set of, of, uh, of brands. Number one is because of the investment, of the training investment and getting to know those products and being able to support them long-term with the client. They don't want to go to, into a client, sell them something they're not comfortable with. Um, because it could break um, or, um, you know, worse, anything could happen. So I think from an investment standpoint, in order to pick up a new line, there has to be um, a lot of check boxes to tick off for any dealer. And, and the second one is that they're able to leverage um, more buying power when it comes to getting support and getting um, the support that they need from the brand and from, from the vendor. So I think it takes a lot to add a product or, or a line of products. And I think he's probably one of the last dealers to sort of make the switch to really consider <laughs> snap. I mean, it's been a long time and, and they're, you know, they're pretty established now. We still talk about them sometimes like they're the new kids on the block and generally they are, but um, you know, that's, so that's, those, those are my thoughts on it. So is this where I don't mention that we still don't, really sell a lot of snap at all yeah but you're canadian you don't really count <laughs> <laughs> nice um mitchell it, when looking at adding the new lot you know potentially a new line 
should it be a balance between what the new line does for you or what doors the new line can open? Uh, see, I take a slightly expanded view on that piece that Todd wrote. Okay. And I know, you know, it's very easy to look at it and specifically address the snap question, which by the way, I'm a fan of theirs as well. And I've worked with them on the product side in the past and I think they do a pretty nice job. Um, but the real question, and I think you put it, put it properly is, at what point do you look beyond what you're doing and where the market's going and that, you know, tired old phrase that uh, I think Steve Jobs made popular that Wayne Gretzky said, right? I skate to where the puck is going. Uh, a lot of dealers are in reactionary mode and that's probably given the speed with which the market is moving, more importantly, the speed with which the media is driving customers to move. Says you gotta be a little bit more ahead of the game. Um, and the snap thing, you know, that that's certainly one example. And obviously, I moved on to a bit more of a cutting-edge technology platform, uh, moving over to Z-Wave. And mm -hmm. but when you start looking at Internet of Things and some of the progress coming out of there, these are things that dealers need to be looking at aggressively because their customers are already buying the stuff. They may be going out to your to their homes and seeing things that well, we didn't talk to you about a ring doorbell or, or an August lock or a, a Z-Wave this or a dimmer or what have you. Uh, and the reason is because the stuff is priced right, it's easily accessible, and as a dealer, what are you doing in terms of making sure you're getting there before your customers do? So like I said, I kind of look at it a little differently in terms of what Todd's writing and saying, look at it to where your customers are going and get there before they do. Yeah, that's a very good point. All right, gentlemen, that's all the time we have this week. Thank you all so much for, for being here. Uh, Jeremy, where can people find and connect with you? Well, Resi Editor on Twitter and uh, residentialsystems.com for our website, uh, where I'm posting a story now about that uh, interesting outage we had uh, on Friday. And well, some, We need to talk about that. Yeah, some react reactions from uh, Mr. Pedigo at Cedia and, uh, you know, Gordon Van Zyden from Cyberman or some others. So it's an interesting uh, perspective that should be good to read about. Very good. Josh, thanks for uh, joining us for, for your first time. I hope you had fun and we were all very nice. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for, <laughs> for having me. It was a good experience. Um yeah, we got we we got hit with that uh, a little bit with our site. So um, our our site actually stayed up. We're not using any of those services, but uh, our chat service, which is a lifeline for many of our users and a big benefit to our site, went down because of the attack. Oh, so, thanks. Um, we we definitely saw it, but you can find us on portal.io. Beautiful, Mitchell. Thanks uh, again for being here. Where can uh, people connect with you? Yeah, Matt's always great to do this. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Mitchell underscore Klein. That's K-L-E-I-N. And you can also get me at Mitch at ZWaveAlliance.org. And that's Z-WaveAlliance.org. Always a pleasure to be here. Great to work with you, Jeremy and Josh. Thanks, Thanks Mitch. See you, Mitch. Excellent. All right. Thank you uh, again for watching uh, and for joining us. For myself, you can find me on Twitter at Matt D. Scott and pretty much every other social platform. But most importantly, please stop by avnation.tv. You'll find this show as well as a wide variety of other shows that cover all the other verticals that we here at Aviation cover. 
When you do stop by the site, please make sure you check out our list of underwriters. They support us and we'd appreciate it if you uh, support them. That's all the time we have for this week's episode of Resi Week.